Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hello and welcome back. This is the show where me and two of my friends dive into the dungeons of diversity and laugh about our tool tabletop tales. We have... Luando and Jeremy Nancy. Cobb. Ah, uh, see, I, I knew that was going <laughs> to We're leaving that in. Yes. I love it. I love it. I love it. Yes. Let's maybe try that one more time. You know, to you go we first. Should, Jeremy, we should mix up our names. You take part of my name and I'll take part of yours. <laughs> Oh dear, very, that was that was that was brilliant. Thanks, guys. Thank you. That was, that was a gift. What a way to start. This is three black halflings. You will come to terms with your own weakness. Full prince vibe, Woof. like a beautiful plague. Focus on your task. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You think this is just a game? There is no board. The board is hypothetical. <laughs> And We're about to get into something real big now. <laughs> I can't tell you how much I enjoyed making that. <laughs> <laughs> it's great fun. It's great fun. Oh, uh, that, it's, the, it's the scream. <laughs> scream. Uh, so here we are, episode oh. two. How have you guys been since we last recorded? We've episode one is out there now. It's quite exciting to have Ooh. it out there. I was just going to actually ask you, Nutty, if you've recovered from your mental. Uh, how many hours was it? Ten hour session ten that you did the other day. Twelve p.m. to ten hours. How was it? Yeah. How did it go? I, I mean, like it was. Um, so the, I, it was. It was two separate sessions, to be fair. Um, and I did have a break to eat. Were they different um, campaigns or were they the same campaign? No, different campaigns. Fair. One in which we're using the campaign to devise a piece of theater around it, um, around Whoa. an Afrocentric um, um, campaign. We found a, a lovely black DM named Henry Metal. Who's running us an Afrocentric? You know Henry? Yeah, I just met him. What? Henry, Henry, the last job that I did, I was on the Holes tour, mm-hmm. and oh, I was on the Holes national tour, and I was understudying for all of the non-white characters, and Henry played Armpit, oh, and God. he and I, he and I, uh, were co-DMing a campaign for the cast of uh, of Holes. Oh, that's amazing, because Safia is also in the project with me. Do you know Safia Inga? Was she not um, on Holes? No, no I, she may have been in the first the cast. cast. But, yeah. She wasn't on the tour yeah. that I was doing. Okay, cool. Wow, well, look at this. Three back yeah. halflings bringing people together, guys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, man, tell him I said hi. I will, I will, awesome. I will, I will. So we're playing, yeah, we're playing with him, and then we started doing that. We started um, looking at the world and then playing a bit, and like really, cause, because we're doing it, because we're using it to devise around, we had to get really detailed about characters, world, understanding, everything. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And then I went on to play a game um, that I play with Roll Dark, um, a dragon ode, and that just took so long. There were just so many ghouls. <laughs> I wish you guys at home could see the face that Unati's pulling right now. There is genuine pain on her face. It just 
it's, it's not even head and hands, it's head and fists. Yeah, it's, just, it's, it's, it's <laughs> that's some anger for these ghouls. It just took so long, and uh, it was, and also I kept warning them, like, can we not go into the crypt? Can we not do that? Can we not go into the creepy crypt where the creepy ghost white lady is singing about being lost and suffering? This is scary. I don't want to go into the crypt. It's, especially if you have, no, there's nothing in the cave that you want. Like, you're just kind of passing by and you hear, da, 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 da. or I mean, for instance, you see a creepy town that is clearly filled with zombies mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and has a horrible atmosphere. Why are you going into this Why? environment Why? unless you have a specific, yeah. But could this could yeah. this be could this be a hangover from what we discuss all the time, which is black culture within movies, and that is that the black guy traditionally dies first. So maybe that's part of it. it maybe just inherently yeah. we're just like, do you know what? No, not today. No. Not today. Not- not today. Yeah. And also, it was really annoying because the task was done. We were tasked with clearing the ghouls from the cemetery. He said nothing about the crypts. Nothing about the crypts. We did the w- job. Was she a Let- banshee? No, she was. Oh, so she was a ghost. It was the spirit of an old elfin princess oh, okay. who was um, dishonored and disgraced and was not buried with her family. And we had to. And then she asked us to find her remains. And she's not paying us. I'm the rogue, and I'm like, there's no money in this. So let's go back and get our cash. <laughs> yep, yep. Get your cash. Get your get your cash. Get paid. Uh, yeah, brilliant. I'm fully on your side with this. Absolutely. Yeah, fully I'm. I'm yeah, I could not be more with you. Um, so this week, I thought we would dive into some personal experiences for playing Dungeons and Dragons. Um, there's a lot going on in the world, guys. I don't know if you've noticed. There's, there's just a lot <laughs> right now. Um, and uh, for me, I know uh, a big part of why I play this game is for... I find it's like the purest form of escapism. Um, and that's definitely part of the reason why I play. Or, or I also play for this reason as well. I'm just going to play something out loud right now. This, I can't tell you how much just made me laugh last week. I was going through the recording, uh, as editing the podcast, and this noise comes out of nowhere. And, like, even my girlfriend was like, what was that? And I was like, I was like that's Jeremy. And I suddenly had this, like, I suddenly twigged that I was like, oh... Like, he makes that noise every single session. At some point, he'll make this noise. Whether he's DMing or playing, he will end up making this noise. And I suddenly was like, do you know what? Like, that is something I love so much about it. Like, that noise is so normal to me. You know, I'm so used to hearing this absolutely ridiculous noise. Yeah, yeah. You know, like, it's like, where would you ever... You know, but only, only in Dungeons & Dragons would you... You and your friends share something as ludicrous as that scream. Um, yeah. Uh, I think I originally got that scream from our mutual friend uh, Ryan. Oh, no way. Because uh, I think he, I think he was the first person I ever heard do it. As like a character, there was I, I, one specific instance I remember was there was this we were we there was this guy who was a werebear, but he was our friend, and we had like chained him to a tree in case he transformed sure. again. But then a big old white dragon jumped over the mm-hmm. cliff and blasted at us with its freeze Ooh. breath, and the rest of us like ran behind the tree that he was chained to. <gasps> But he was like, help me, help me, no, no. Yeah! <laughs> Just getting roasted by, this, <laughs> by the it's just such a fantastic noise and i just think it's that kind of thing that you just you'd never share with a group otherwise the fact that you could make such a ridiculous uh, ridiculous thing um so yeah i just wanted to share that uh, share that out but um you know Artie, why don't you go ahead uh, kick us off why don't you tell us a little bit about why you love playing 
this game both as a dm and a player um i guess it's similar to, similarly to you it's uh for escapism and just kind of um doing the fantastical um doing the impossible or um bringing in my inspiration from my favorite characters from comic books or um other sort of pop culture and media um and the diasporic canon and the canon in general so like um i play because i generally like to beat things up <laughs> <laughs> and i'm not allowed to do that on the streets because that's a crime that is indeed a crime <laughs> so i don't do it in the streets like a nice human and i save it for D. &D. amazing <laughs> It is also, in many cases, I would say, morally yes. wrong. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's morally wrong. <laughs> not just yeah. that it's yeah. illegal, probably yeah. shouldn't yeah. do it. The just in general mean, shouldn't do that. Exactly, exactly. Like That kid frowned at me! <laughs> <laughs> you cannot walk around these streets just beating people. But the, um, Yeah, this is a family yeah. show, guys. This yeah. is a family show, yeah. so... Yeah. Uh... It's, it's, it's not allowed. <laughs> it's not allowed. Um, but I do, I do get to kind of, like, have fun with that side of myself in a, in a, in a kind of um, free of consequence. No, I lied, because it's never free of consequence. It's that never free lie. of consequence. <laughs> You've taught us that in, our, in that last session. I always end up having to roll initiative. That's actually worth discussing, even. The, the idea of... Because that's really, I think, worth getting into. Perhaps not right now, but, like, the idea of having consequences in a DD &D game because there i think a lot of classic D, D games they people don't really dig too deep into the consequences of mm, what's happening yeah. so it's like oh yeah we just uh killed these goblins yeah, and took their stuff sure. that's it but like there's never a question of like you know those goblins may have had families mm -hmm. uh and they may have taken that stuff for like a oh, very yeah. specific I do, reason i feel like, like i feel like i do this a know. lot in my games they uh the my chaos group as i described them last week they uh recently had a run-in with a, a town's guard who was basically going to alert them alert the rest of the the guards to something slightly illegal that they were doing uh and so they dispatched him and then when they got back to they sort of got around the town they found the sort of weeping mother of of this town's guards and they were like oh man that's not okay and so like <laughs> you know th th yeah there's Good. there's definitely consequences um for, for sure yeah. um yeah. And then yeah, Jeremy, what what's uh, what what draws you to playing Dungeons and Dragons? Um, for me, I think a lot of it is uh, certainly as far as DMing goes, a creative outlet. Um, mm. I get to I get to throw all kinds of like crazy ideas that I normally wouldn't be able to put into like if I was going to try and write a play, I may not be able to write a play about a massive invasion of like sleeper cell lycanthropic halflings trying to stage a coup in a big halfling kingdom um sure. that's usually not what you're gonna see at like the national but yeah the, <laughs> yes sure uh whereas with something like and uh, i think that is a big part of it also the fact that it's a collaborative storytelling effort mm, and then mm -hmm. i think just the element of play uh like of getting to uh play with other people to to create uh a story and also, I mean, it can be fun to, like, defeat something. Like, you just, I've defeated this evil thing, and I'm, me and my friends are victorious. Like, there's a, there's yeah. a definite charge out of that. Abs absolutely. I think, um, for me, I'd probably say there's a, there's a few of those things that you guys have mentioned. Uh, definitely the pop culture thing. Um, my first character I created was based on a character from one of my favorite books. Um, and, uh, and again, yeah, that sense of play, I think, is what draws a lot of people to it. Because, for me... 
what's so great about the kind of the rule structure of D&D that it is really free, I find. Um, and I, because quite often um, uh, I'm drawn to sort of like RPG-based games mostly because I like the freedom to be able to actually just go where I want to and, you know, and, and for a large part say what I want to say or, you know, react to a character the way I want to react to them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's what I enjoy so much is that it's genuinely free. And I probably, I'd say it's probably the most free sort of fantasy-based experience I think you can have. Uh, I don't think I'm sort of speaking in, hyper, uh, in hyperbole when I say that. Like, you are able to craft items that have never been created before. You're able to, you know, travel to distant places which have never been explored. Like, that kind of thing, I think, yeah. is it's really liberating. It's really, really fun, especially if you're a nerdy kid like me who grew up just utterly obsessed with, like, Lord of the Rings and, and you know, stuff like that. So... Um, I think that you're, you guys are yeah, absolutely uh, right with that one. I, th- I think also that's true of tabletop gaming, tabletop games in general. Oh, for sure. That, uh, certainly role-playing tabletop games. I think that the, I think obviously I haven't played, uh, D&D is really the only one that I've played, mm. I think, but it seems as though that general idea of what exactly what you're talking about, uh, it gives you much more freedom than what you'd get in even something like video games, which is like... Yeah one of the other artistic mediums that is the most based on your own agency as a player or as a yeah. participant. Yeah. 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 I mean, I find, I find, I, I sometimes play Vampire the Masquerade. Um, and mm. there, there is also that same sort of level of, of, of freedom and ability to play. I've, I've never been games master for it. So I'm not in, necessarily like clear on whether you can create items and that kind of thing. But I feel like there's a lot of freedom in terms of character building and and where you want to drive the story and what you want to do. And even though you shouldn't separate the party, I find in Vampire the Masquerade, you can really just go, well, I'm out. Peace. I'm going to do my own <laughs> nice. thing. Bye. And then, and then the GM's like, okay, I've got to run two separate storylines now until you guys yeah, come back together. Yeah, I love that. Because you can't just go, um, they want Whoa. to kill me and they want to take me back to like the, the prince of the, of, of the council. So um, I need to run. <laughs> yeah, like, that's fair. Wow, that's yeah. totally fair. That sounds really interesting. Actually, we should we should. That's like a whole other, whole other episode discussing that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, I think that uh, to your point though about freedom, you know, to like yeah. for me, the freedom is what breeds investment as well, yeah. uh, both from my players and when I play myself. Um, it's like it, it allows us to really invest in the story and invest in what's happening, what's going on, to care about those characters. Yeah. Um, and I think that, that that's what I then really enjoy, especially, you know, for me as a, like an actor, that's that's what I do, that's yeah. what we like live for, you know, is that sense of really feeling like we're in something. Um, and I think that pe- for people who aren't actors as well, it's a, it is an enjoyable experience. It's an enjoyable experience really investing in something to the point where you are like 100% in. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like there's times yeah. where I'll watch shows uh, or I'll even be in, you know, DMing and um like one of my favorite moments was with the group that you're with um uh jeremy and um it was at the end of a really really long in-game day (laughs) where basically uh at the start of the day one of the groups um sort of effectively one of the party members uh had been slain um and they basically spent the rest of the day just charging around trying to find whoever this was and uh one of the characters called jinxon um uh, who was played by my friend Johnny, um, just played the whole, like literally three or four sessions, just played it. It was so committed. And at the end of the day, had a really, really touching moment with one of these NPCs. Uh, it was uh, uh, one of the best friends of the character who had died. And a uh, really, really touching moment about kind of like grief and how 
we process it, and the NPC was a child, and I so I had to play the child in this moment, and you know, and I I cried. I was fully there, and I was fully invested, and it was so moving because I was like. You know, I'm getting counselled here by this, uh, by one of my friends, but, but sort of on a deeper level than that, like this is a really genuinely interesting discussion about grief and how we handle it, um, and mm-hmm. something amazing to share with, especially you know, I think there's a lot of conversations about sort of mental health and and uh, like you know, um, uh, being open and honest, and I think like actually sharing that kind of experience in a safe space uh, like D and D actually feels kind of important for me, and I definitely feel mm. like in many times I felt it have an effect on me personally um and i would i would say yeah that's a big thing is i feel like it does really affect me uh personally and i, I will leave a session and be on a high for the next two hours because i'm just like oh man like i was just this and this and all these pictures in my head and um yeah yeah it's like when you finish a really good performance of a play yeah absolutely a lot of times absolutely. you just get you just have that oh yeah that was so great yeah and you have to like go out and walk and talk and or get drunk as the case may be. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, it's that shared that shared experience with a group of uh, people um, is is quite special, uh, I think. Um, awesome, that was lovely. Uh, I think we should move on, and I'd like to uh, discuss, uh, as it's always the theme with this show, uh, like to talk about diversity and inclusion within uh, Dungeons and Dragons. Um, and I'd love to dive into an article. I think you actually uh, pointed out to us, Jeremy, uh, was. Um, Mm-hmm. sent by Wizards of the Coast about diversity and inclusion. Uh, so I thought I'll read uh, some little snippets of it and then we can just go ahead and discuss what we think. Um, mm-hmm. uh, so, uh, Dungeons & Dragons teaches us that diversity is strength, uh, for only a diverse group of adventurers can overcome many challenges a D&D story presents. Uh, it then goes on to recognise that uh, there is no end goal in mind. Uh, this is an ongoing commitment, which I thought was a good thing to point out. Uh, and this was one paragraph that I thought was uh, quite uh, nuanced and, and speaks a lot uh, about the D&D experience. And that is, one of the explicit design goals of 5th edition D&D was to depict humanity in all of its beautiful diversity by depicting characters who represent an array of ethnicities, gender identities, sexual orientations and beliefs. We want people to feel at home around the game table and see positive reflections of themselves within our products. Human in D&D means everyone, not just fantasy versions of Northern Europeans, and the D&D community is more diverse than it's ever been. Personally, I feel like we've made a huge impact. We said it's Northern true. Europeans last week. They, they listened to the show, guys. guys we've the made it. To the made show. It. <laughs> Every single episode. Well, we could just end the show here. We could just end the show here. Um, but no, what was your impressions of, sort of the, especially that first bit? Um, we'll go on to talk about what their actions are in a second, but just that first sort of uh, part of the part of the article. Uh, I, I thought that it was very... I think it was a much needed acknowledgement of how the fantasy uh, role-playing landscape, just the fantasy landscape in general, has changed, uh, especially in the past 10 Mm. years, 20 years. Um, The popularity of Dungeons & Dragons has exploded since 5th edition and the advent of Mm. Critical Role and other online, uh, like, actual play shows and, yeah, Stranger Things. Stranger Things. Community (laughs) did it even before Stranger Things. Uh, And I think uh, you can't just Mm. look at the game as as a game for nerdy white men 
or nerdy white boys, as the case may be. It's now a game that yeah. mm-hmm. not even mm-hmm. nerds, not white, not men, anybody can play. Um, and I think it's absolutely yeah. very important for Wizards to uh, acknowledge that. Actually, I think they had started to try to, even as far back as the 5e uh, I think it's either the Player Handbook or Dungeon Master's Guide. It was really interesting to see uh, with both the racial diversity, because I, I was looking up articles uh, when I found this one, and somebody mm. had gone through and seen, all, looked mm. at all of the art for the characters in, um, I believe it was the Player's Handbook. Um, and there were the, they mm. were looking mm-hmm. that it was a much more diverse uh, book than they'd had in the past in terms of both gender uh, and yeah. race. Yeah, absolutely. I think yeah. they, they even changed the human, uh, the, the person that represented the human race to be a black mm-hmm. woman, I think, was yeah. um, um, yep. things like that. Um, I think they've definitely been doing for a while. I, I thought it was a pretty good statement. I thought it was just as sensitive as I'd expect. I think that generally this community has got is very good at tackling sensitive subjects because I mm. think it's been a bit more diversity and inclusion facing for a while other than like out, like the other industries haven't um it, like as in it's always had lgbtq plus members it's always had you know uh, quite a racially diverse following so i think that it's had to tackle these things a little bit earlier perhaps so it's uh, a little bit further along the line but i think it's still got a little bit of time to go i think that it made a good point of saying how everyone's not just sort of northern european uh, mm. white mm. but I kind of felt like what I maybe would have liked to see in that statement was how they maybe would try and actively like embrace more culture for influence, like different cultures, kind of what we're talking about on this show. Um, I think like that would have been a positive thing to maybe have thrown in there, just like that we are looking at other sources of sort of uh, material outside of just, you know, like Vikings and knights. Um, Yeah. Yeah, because even later in the statement, even later in the statement, I don't even think they... They but they do. Like, they address some of it, but I don't think they address what is specific. Yeah, yeah, about like sort of building with uh, with other cultures. Um, sorry, not yeah. gonna. Um, um, no, I think I think um, I may just potentially echo what both of you have just sort of been saying. But I think for me personally, seeing that statement as a fairly green player and um, uh, dungeon master mm. just has really kind of made me feel safe in then pushing those boundaries myself. I think a lot of the times mm. when I've come into games. And I've been, for argument's sake, been in discussion with a with a GM. Um, I've kind of felt that I can't necessarily, with p- as politely as possible, push back on some things because I'm coming from a different cultural space. Sure. I think one of my first characters, I wanted um, uh, her deity to be Oshun, which is a Nigerian goddess mm. of the sun. And I spent time with the with the DM who es- essentially insisted that there was no space for that. Um, and, and, and was like, I can't, I wouldn't know how to make that work necessarily. I'm like, well, I don't. And now in retrospect, I I don't understand how mechanically that would have posed any issues. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. and I don't know why my character couldn't have had a goddess from another, from another pantheon that is just outside of, of the Eurocentric one. So Mm. I think Mm. what I'm trying to say is that that statement, that acknowledgement has just kind of given the breathing space where I can go, okay, cool. I can be as brave as I want in my own creating, but also in my own creating of, in my creating of worlds rather, sorry, but also in my own creating of characters and really kind of push that and just, and um, unapologetically just take influence from everywhere um, and feel safe in that. I think that's a really lovely point, actually, about uh, feeling, perhaps feeling braver at at the table um, as a player and as a DM. I think 
It's quite often that you'd uh, that I, I felt anyway, especially when uh, talking about fantasy, that I've felt kind of conflicted about wanting to speak up. Like I remember being a kid and I was like yeah. desperate to be Legolas. You know, like even when I was a kid, we were like just running around the playground and like you know, I was like yeah. I want to be Legolas, but they'd be like, Nah, you're not Legolas. Do you know what I mean? Um, yeah. And so like, but just like yeah. even yeah. being able to kind of like push back and be like, No, I'm totally Legolas. That's yeah. fine. <laughs> um, yeah. Why? Yeah. But I think the I know I know exactly what you're talking about yeah. i had that exact same thing yeah. it was for me when we played star wars i was only allowed to play lando or chewbacca mm. uh yeah. and then or mace windu right X- <laughs> uh well this was pre-prequels oh okay sure was, so like, he wasn't even this was this was like yeah i was like six or seven years old no no, no i was like five years mm. old um when when they were so this was pre-prequels uh and and then when we played X-Men, I was only allowed to play Beast. Ah, I, I was mean, only uh, allowed to be Storm, so, you know. Well, yeah, they, I was only allowed to be yeah. Nightcrawler. But to be fair, <laughs> Nightcrawler was my favorite, so I was like, that's fine. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that. I mean, Storm's pretty badass, but I'm not Jamaican, so I don't know what the hell you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> But I think that, but I think that's a really, I think that's a really interesting point. And I think you're absolutely right that pl- places like Wizards coming out with these kind of statements and these kind of commitments does make a huge difference. Because if we look at now the explosion of Dungeons and Dragons, D and D has a huge impact on the on like the way we think about and the way we process fantasy, especially mm. with this sort of slightly more. Um, should we say like uh, I don't want to say sort of nerdy communities but yeah like you know the people who really follow it and really mm. dig into it um, you know and it really informs their opinions and like mm. the more I've been thinking about what we were talking about last week just in terms of like how actually we as DMs can be vehicles to help teach people about these things mm. and, uh, mm. and and teach each other as well about inclusion and that kind of thing I think is uh, actually a really um it's a really useful tool. I, I think there's actually been a few times where, like, as a DM, I've, you know, like, role-played as a woman or something, and if I felt like one of my players has said something troubling, I might be like, oh, actually, and like, and, you know, I might call it out, you know? And I think that it's that kind of thing. We have to be braver to just go, yeah. no, actually, I'm gonna, I'm just going to pump the brakes a sec. I think we should unpick that. Or, alternatively, if you don't want to necessarily come out of the game, you can do it in-game. Do you know I mean? You can find yeah. ways in-game to... Yeah. to, to um, um, I'm sort of struggling to think of an example, but, you know, to uh, say, well, actually, I don't think that's a fair, I think that's a fair statement, or uh, do you know what Mm. I mean? And and allow the NPC to, like, push back and be like, no, I'm not going to take that from you, do you know what I mean? Then maybe turn that NPC into a really high-level paladin and have them kill the party for their their transgressions. (laughs) 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 Uh, No, no, don't go that far, don't go that far. (laughs) Your microaggressions have found you yes. out. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Look, yes, my yes. paladin list of sins here, microaggressions, is at the top. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, righteous, righteous smite. Um, TPK, love it. This HeadGum Podcast is brought to you by Aura Frames. That is right. Uh, from grandmothers to new mothers, aunts, even the friends of your life, every mom loves an Aura Frame. Holy shit, even aunts? Yes, especially aunts. Oh, well. Because it was named the best digital photo frame by Wirecutter and selected as one of Oprah's favorite things. I mean, these Aura Frames are guaranteed to bring joy to moms of all ages. I believe it. You have an Aura Frame, don't you? Yes, I actually more than believe it. I know it. Uh, I've got one for my mom, my mother-in-law, my grandmother-in-law. And dare I say your aunt? And dare you say my aunt and my aunt-in-law. 
Everyone's got one. Everyone loves them. I mean, Mother's Day is right around the corner, and there's no better gift than a digital photo frame. You give them the frame. It's got preloaded pictures in there, and you know what? You can update it with an app, so every time you take a new picture of a sweet little uh, person or place or thing in your life, it gets automatically sent to that frame. Exactly. And right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. Holy smokes. Excellent deal. Yeah, that's A-U-R-A Frames.com. You use the code HEADGUM at checkout to save. HEADGUM. Nice. Yes. Headgum. It's easy to set up. It's loved by everybody, including Oprah, including your aunt. Mm-hmm. So do check them out. That's A-U-R-A frames.com. Use code HEADGUM at checkout to save. Damn right. And terms and conditions apply, of course. Of course. Thanks again to Aura. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Let me... Go ahead and go through some of the other points they made about what they're sort of actively trying to do. They start off by talking about how drow and orcs in particular Mm. have been a race or species uh, that has been portrayed as stereotypically very evil over the years. Mm. Um, And I do agree, they say in this, we have been trying already. I do think, I do believe that that, that's true. Um, Like I said last week about the Explorer's Guide to Wildmount that they released in tandem with Critical Role, I think that had... Uh, some really interesting takes on drow had some really interesting takes on um, orcs um, and their kind of um, presence in the world but this was my favourite bit uh, about the release or what they said was later this year we will release a product not yet announced that offers players a way to customise their character's origin including Mm. the option to change ability score increases that come with being an elf, dwarf or one of the other playable folk this option optimizes, uh, sorry, emphasizes that each player in the game is individual and with their own capabilities. Uh, I thought that was actually probably the most, that was my biggest takeaway. I was like, that really feels like a tool for um, introducing more people to the game, m- making people, like we discussed last week, feel more comfortable to dive into other characters. Uh, mm. what, what, what do you guys think of uh, both the Drown Orc thing and the potential little uh, gameplay shift? I think... I think the thing that excites me the most is absolutely the gameplay shift. Mm. Um, because I, I mean, when you're sort of um, rolling your ability stats, um, I kind of, I, it's in that, it's in the, it's, it's in that rubric where I like to really reflect my character's capabilities um, mm. and reflect their background and their personality. Like I like to play, I like to go, okay, well. Um, this char- this race is supposed to be charismatic. Mm-hmm. However, this person is not going to be charismatic at all. Yeah, <laughs> like, sure, they're sure. just going to be really broody and mm-hmm. really strong and think that they're charismatic by virtue of being around their people in their youth. But when they come out into the world, they're, in, they're like they're gonna, dense. Yeah, like they're going to get undone. They're yeah. going to get undone. They're going to be rude. <laughs> they're not going to be able to read social cues properly. Um, just, mm-hmm. be- just because I... I, I 
again, I will always stress this. I really like flaw. Um, I mm-hmm. really like dynamic characters that are really, really flawed. So I'm really excited about that. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, I again loved it for both the gameplay and the kind of diversity aspect as well. Um, just because I think that. It, <laughs> It allows you to like if you're like a player who likes maxing out their characters and stuff. There is it, you're kind of like then limited by what species and class you can actually like you know jam together to make mm. uh, something interesting. Like you'd probably be hard pushed to like create a barbarian gnome, for instance, because the mm. stats just wouldn't like match up. Or or, or playing a wizard, uh, a wizard or an orc wizard, sorry, because they have the minus two intelligence uh, yeah. to their intelligence score. And so I think that it just again it just allows for a bit more of that individuality and what we were talking about last week in terms of making complex characters i think it really feeds into that narrative of allowing people to create really unique and different uh characters um yeah and so i think that really helps people with the with the sense of diversity and the sense of inclusion um so i i quite enjoyed that uh personally that part of the announcement yeah i think for me um the the i was glad that they finally were like especially with the drow that they pointed out that mm. both of those uh, both orcs and drow are they have some very unfortunate implications uh, yes uh, like the drow immediately stuck out to me when I was first reading it like about D&D you have all of these like elves are these beautiful long lived uh, incredible like elegant people uh, <laughs> and all the depictions of that you see of them are like they're usually white coated like european like northern european kind of aryan except for mm. the one group of elves who mm-hmm. all have dark skin and who are all evil evil yeah uh, and yeah. who live deep under the ground and the whole thing is kind of <laughs> like okay uh, well, well, maybe yeah yeah I'd actually kind of like to throw out as well, because specifically <clears throat> the drow thing, I think, raises an interesting question, uh, especially with what you were saying earlier, Unati, was that um, with the drow, uh, a part of their subjugation is due to the fact that they are kind of governed by uh, a kind of evil or t- twisted goddess, uh, well, at least in some of the um, more uh, traditional uh, campaign settings. Um, I believe it's the Raven Queen. Jeremy, you'll uh, tell me if I'm wrong. Uh, uh, I, think, I thought it was No, Lolf. Spider Queen. Yeah. Sorry, Spider Lolf. Queen. Yeah, um, yeah it's Lolf the spider queen and i just think that's kind of an interesting dynamic the idea of having uh, a group completely defined by their religious belief um yeah you know i think that's i don't know I, i'm i'm not sort of the most i'm not the most religious person myself but i would love to hear if you guys have any thoughts about because that's kind of what it felt like that really stuck out for me was they're really defined by their worship of Loth. And yeah. they ha- yeah. it's almost like they had to take on every aspect of her worship. You know, they couldn't, you couldn't half worship Loth. It was either like, <laughs> you believe in chaos and death or you don't support her. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and I would just be interested to hear what you guys thought of that. I think that's some dangerous territory that you're yeah. like you're, you're 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 skating you're skating on very very thin ice um and I and I guess it just brings me back to sort of my singular point that um 
people are complex you can be you can worship love light you know like you can you can like a you can like a pub brawl but you're not necessarily down with murdering children do you know what i mean yeah 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 like, sure and, that, and that's okay and um i think i think when you get like, really didactic about things like that especially especially racial traits or religious <laughs> beliefs you're yeah. you're you're about to put your foot all the way in your mouth all the way like, in the, yeah, yeah 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 i love the idea yeah. of like chaos light you know like you can like <laughs> Like, I kind of feel like, chaos. Uh, like there's in the Wild Mountain, there's a there's a uh, a deity called the Traveler who's kind of like a. It's just like, hey, hey, we don't want to hurt anyone, but like you know, if you want to make a max step in some poop, that's kind of fine. Do you know what I mean? Like I love that kind of idea of like, it's just yeah. it's just a bit of fun, you know. Um, just like the cat pushing things off the table. Yeah, that's literally. The level of chaos we want. Yeah. I I, I think for me, um, I I'm definitely not an expert on the depictions of all the different races because i homebrew so much and tend to mm -hmm. like disregard a lot of it anyway but in my readings on them i've noticed a trend that the beings that are historically classed as evil usually have a are the ones who are listed as having a very strong connection to a deity mm. that affects mm. their actions because i think the idea for goblins is like Oh, what, I can't remember the name of their their god, but it has something to do with like all. It's either all goblins or all kobolds like immediately go to like hell or it's not hell, but like a, basically a hellish plane where they have to like slave in service of this deity. So like all of them are just miserable. For orcs, it's all grumsh, and like grumsh, mm -hmm. I think pushes them to be more barbaric, and they're like really committed to grumsh, and that's. Mm -hmm. But you don't like the, there isn't as uh from what i've seen as large of say like a kobold pantheon or a goblin pantheon or an orc pantheon in comparison to something like the dwarven pantheon or the elf elvish pantheon mm. but then again within the elves you have the dark elves who serve lolf and then within the dwarves you have the gray dwarves the durgar who serve sure, ladagwer yeah. uh mm. who is who is this evil dwarven god like it almost it, and it what it reminds me of is the depiction of the orcs in the original lord of the rings books mm. as mm. being evil because they were like twisted and forced to be evil mm. mm -hmm. so that it's not just oh this is an evil bunch of people but it's like oh yes they are they are they have been forced into a specific mindset and now they're all just this way yeah for uh, because of divine or other arcane reasons yeah yeah, I kind of wonder what springs to mind. I kind of wonder whether um, part of it is creating that like very black and white good evil. versus evil argument, mm -hmm. which is that like if they are all the way gone, if they are all the way in support of something evil, it makes it really easy then to kind of uh, to to kind of lay morality to one side with the acts that you do mm. because these guys are inherently bad. Yeah. They are just bad yeah. people. Um, and I think maybe that's what like a, a like worshiping a deity gives you is like a deity mm -hmm. or gods they are absolute. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. That is what we that is our idea of yeah. gods is that they mm -hmm. are absolute uh, uh, creatures of uh, of morality in terms of they believe what they believe. Like literally in all of the books, it's always like this is the goddess the goddess of this this and this. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so it's like that is then reflected, yeah. but only seemingly in the bad. Yep people the good people are able to kind of dip in and out of that yeah. and be a bit more kind of free yeah. because i guess that we see good as a more versatile place to be and evil is yeah. evil yeah. um and i think i think also potentially maybe that's why 
because I was really interested in the idea of like what happens if you play a slightly morally ambiguous campaign or even an evil campaign, uh, you know. Uh, and I think that potentially why that's tricky to do is because of the absolute nature of of the way we view yeah. evil in, yeah. in yeah. fantasy. Do you know what I mean? Um, we again, we just we struggle to see it in like no, this character is just really selfish, or yeah. this character is absolutely out for themselves, or. Do yeah. you mean, or that there could be genuine motives for an evil act, um, which I think ultimately is way more interesting Absolutely, for me yeah. as a yeah. anyway. Absolutely, because I think you find so many. Um, you currently find so many examples in pop culture. I mean, I just recently, a while back, just finished reading Saga, and there are so <gasps> many. Like you know, <laughs> there are there, all of all of all of the um all of the um oh god what are they called again sorry um like all of the company members what are they, what's it? freelancers yes all of the freelancer assassins um all have such incredibly interesting backstories and all have such incredibly mm. interesting reasons as to why they are out to kill a child um do you know mm-hmm, what I mean mm-hmm. so. Because again, we are grey. Like there's, you know, you know, yeah, you, yeah. Can, you can be a good person and 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 still do something really, really shitty. And I think, yeah. and I think that's why I enjoy moral, like trying to put moral quandary um, as much as possible. Even though I run modules, I try to put as much moral quandary into my games as possible, but also into my characters, because mm. um, I want, I, I want, I want to collaborate with the DM or with my players in such a way that they can be surprised by the events and the narrative of the campaign that I can go, oh, you think you're about to just walk into this dungeon and lay waste to all these people, but what you don't know uh-huh. Uh-huh. is that sneakily, like, there's going to be some sort of innocent factor inside of this, that if you do this, there'll be these consequences. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 so, yeah absolutely. Because then that makes it kind of fun, because I, I, I kind of love watching my players go, Hang on, we need to think. <laughs> like, yeah. Good. Yeah, no. and, and and I think that like the the blind panic that sets into a player. I know I've had it before, where you're like, you've got your sword drawn, you're charging in there, and then you're like, ha, huh, okay, how do I how do I overcome this situation? I had to really think about the yeah. situation, and I think that um, that as well. What is amazing is that actually, like, we've probably all on like a really basic level had something like that in our lives before we've had to make a decision where we've gone like maybe i should have acted slightly differently or maybe do you know what i mean and i feel like this is done in a way where it's fun and it's exciting but we all do yeah. that in our daily yeah. lives you know the whole kind of conversation around allyship at the moment mm. uh whether that be kind of white on black or male on female or whatever mm. that is the, the, we, these decisions and crop up all the time this morality of like is that the you know, how, how should I t- tackle this situation? Um, I think we're probably getting towards the end of uh, episode two. Can I throw one thing in? I wanted. I think yeah, I yeah, wanted please. To add. I think. I think. Uh, uh, I was having a conversation with a friend that kind of got to the bottom of like a lot of these issues. I think, or at least it, mm-hmm. it, it like got at because what we want. I think what we want as children is uncomplicated fantasy. Everything is just straightforward and. As, as I said, uncomplicated. And then I think as soon as you become an adult, though, things can get a lot more complex. They become a lot more complex. And sure. you, obviously, for a lot of people, the game is escapism, so they prefer to keep that same level of uh, of black and white morality. We go into this cave. These kobolds have um, 
like they have you know a treasure there we don't think these kobolds should have this treasure we're going to go in and take the treasure you know we've been hired and going to do this uh and we kill the kobolds etc etc but at, but rarely do you say okay but why are these kobolds actually here are they just like people living here and are we just straight up mm. invading their land like they're not actually hurting anybody killing them yeah. taking all of their stuff looting all yeah. of their corpses also yeah. where are the kobold kids like they may be stowed away somewhere but there's gonna be yeah. like a bunch of orphans here that are probably just gonna starve to death now yeah or or, yeah. or just or just repeat any vicious cycle that they're already on because exactly. they're gonna grow up feeling exactly. very embittered about the fact that they're all of their parents were murdered exactly. you know <laughs> and i think i think both ways can be really i think rewarding from a play standpoint because obviously mm. sometimes you just want to you know kill some mindless beings or you know win in an uncomplicated moral thing but i think for me i tend to prefer the more morally complex way yeah yeah, for, for sure, sure. Uh, and I think that I would. Uh, this is this is a, this is a hot take potentially, but I think that anyone who says no, 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 I just prefer going around and killing things, maybe like kind of hasn't had it introduced to them in the right way. Do you know what I mean? Hasn't had that moral question put to them in the right way because I think that inherently, as human beings, we want to be helpful, we want to be kind, we want to. Do you know what I mean? And I think mm. that even within this setting, mm. if you come up against an issue where you can resolve it with like compassion i like i think people do want to do that and, yeah. and they do really enjoy that you know we mentioned escape from the blood keep last week it turned into a good campaign like they couldn't help but be you know <laughs> like, but enjoy each other's company and get along you know um yeah. and, and yeah. so like you know brendan lee mulligan talks about the fact that he literally had to change that thing on the fly because he was expecting them all to beat each other up at the end and they all just got along <laughs> you know <Yeah. laughs> um so actually i think that's a really really fascinating uh, uh point and i thought like we could easily talk about uh, that for hours yeah. um i did just want to make a sort of a, a quick statement as you can probably tell by our cover art we uh, do not sit on the fence when it comes to the events of recent times um and i did want to read just one little thing that i found in the uh, um uh, on D beyond uh, on wizards of the coast which is um, to be greeted with stares and whispers, to suffer mm -hmm. violence and insult in the street, and to see mistrust and fear in every eye. This is the lot of the tiefling. Yeah. Uh, I read this, I read this, and I just thought it was an incredibly powerful sentence that I think is a, albeit a small microcosm, but it is a microcosm of systemic and overt racism. Um, mm -hmm. And we just wanted to say as a group and as a show, Black Lives Matter. Mm -hmm. uh, we want to Absolutely. build yes. a diverse and beautiful community here, uh, but we do need your help to do so. So please take a minute, reach out to a friend, uh, be kind, uh, let's all stand together. Thank you so much for listening to uh, this episode of Three Black Halflings and make sure you tune in for the next episode. Thank you very much, everyone. Thanks, guys. Thank Bye. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Help me. Help me. No, no. <laughs> <laughs>